You're listening to Money Minded, your West Coast mortgage and real estate news podcast. I'm your host, Randy Vance, alongside my podcast partner, the multi-talented Heather Lowry. Hello. Today's show is all about millennials and the marketplace. Sean Dunn with Directors Mortgage will be joining us in studio to talk about who is really driving the real estate market. Millennials. We'll have your Central Oregon real estate market update and your West Coast mortgage news. Today is April 9th. 2021. Thanks for joining us on Money Minded. All right, Mr. Sean. Hello, hello. Guess what we're going to go into? Uh, I heard something about being born in the 80s. Born in the 80s. Late 80s, early 90s. Does anyone actually know what the age ranges are? 25 to 40, my fine friend. You know what millennials would do? Hey, Siri. (laughs) (laughs) What age dated the millennial? (laughs) Okay, so what's the difference of a millennial versus a Gen X going, hey, Siri? Uh, We use it. I use it, but I just sound dumb doing it. (laughs) I do a lot of talk to texting. Yeah. You do do a lot. I do a lot. And it's always correct. Mine's not. Wink, wink. Actually, quick story, road trip with Randy, (laughs) a podcast for another day, I guess, (laughs) uh, is when I introduced this uh, fine young gentleman to podcasts while he, in between him, voiced a texting his wife. This this is true, and and I got I gotta say I'm addicted to podcasts now. Excellent. Uh, now we have a podcast because I was of this say, guy. Look around the room. No kidding. <laughs> we applaud you, sir. I do what I can. So just as far as a backup, we need to know who you are. Who is Sean Dunn? Uh, that's a great question. My middle n- initial is R. I was born in 1989. Uh, anyways, I have been at Directors, uh, let's see here, seven years, and I was uh, in the mortgage industry for a year or two before that. Uh, luckily, got into this business from uh, the marketing side of things. So I started out as a marketer, uh, just happened to be marketing for a mortgage company, and then learned to love real estate finance, uh, got my license so that I could start marketing myself instead of other people, and haven't looked back. Love it. Been at Directors the entire time. Is your middle name Randy? Negative ghostwriter. Right. Is that a thing millennials say? It's Russell. The pattern is full. Is it Russell? The pattern is full. <laughs> Sean Russell? Uh, like, you sound like an actor. Negative ghostwriter. The pattern is full. I need a Scottish accent. So, Sean, uh, millennials are considered to be the best educated generation. What makes you guys tick and what is important to you when working with a real estate agent and shopping for a mortgage? Yeah, this was a good one. Uh, Randy gave me just a a small heads up on a few of these, and I thought about this one for a while. And I think the thing that comes to mind when I looked through my database and my leads and whatnot uh, is that a lot of millennials are shopping for a home uh, with, I think, mortgage hacks in mind uh, or real estate hacks in mind. So they're not coming to it from maybe the more traditional sense of, Uh, you know, we like the bedrooms upstairs or we like this or the yard is great or anything like that. They're looking more at it. And I, I tend to encourage this through the, this is my first house. Is it going to be a good rental? Uh, You know, they've been on biggerpockets.com and they're, they're looking at, you know, how can I flip this and do that? And they're all, you know, they're much more strategic in that sense. Uh, And less, you know, the millennials are having less kids. Um, they're moving more often. And so they're not looking at their forever home when they're looking for an agent or a lender as much as they're looking for a strategic partner, I feel like. Uh, So I feel like that's a big change in how people generationally are shopping for houses and what encourages them 
to write on one versus another. Mm-hmm. My brain is having such a difficult time trying to keep up. Is it? Uh-huh. I, I just it. I look at Sean and I just see like just so much calculation going on every, every time I look at him he's always he's very calculated 121 gigawatts <laughs> I think he's right though like in my experience a lot of the first time homebuyers right now are looking for an investment they're looking right. for something that they can live in for two years rent it out buy their next home doesn't matter if the master is upstairs or downstairs no anymore. it doesn't and they've learned from their predecessors knowing that the average home buyer is in their home for three to five years. So they've seen that happen and they realize that it's not their forever home. Right. My wife and I uh, are coming up on our sixth anniversary and our fifth home. So Congratulations. That's awesome. Yep. That's a lot of moving. That is a lot. Keep it going. <laughs> now you can do that in an appreciating market. You know, that's an asterisk yep. to the whole thing. We haven't lost any money. We've made money in those transitions. So you have to, you know, it's not all us. You have to have the, the timing work out. Right. The market can be mystifying at times. What myths can you dispel when it comes to buying your first home? You know, one of my favorite ones is, uh, let's actually start with a quote that my very first boss in this industry told me, which is, necessity is the mother of all invention. Uh, And I I learned that and it became true very quickly uh, in the sense that a lot of people don't know what they don't know. So the myths are uh, what keep people out of even picking up the phone and talking to us. I could list a thousand of them. Uh, my encouragement to anyone listening who might want to buy a home is let's not talk about them. They don't exist. Call and let's just chat through your situation. Uh, I know you have a car payment. That's fine. You can still buy. I know you've only been saving for a year. That's fine. You can still buy. Or uh, I'll, maybe I'll bring up my, my favorite one that I think encompasses all the myths in one, which is I've never denied a buyer in my entire career. If someone calls and gets pre-approved, They might be pre-approved in three years, but let me give you a three-year strategy to buy a house. You are not denied. So Mm -hmm. you never come in, in in my opinion, you should never be shot down. You should always walk out with strategic steps or plan to purchasing. So that would be my myth that sort of encompasses all myths. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, you don't have 20% down. That's a myth, whatever. But just talk to a a lender uh, named Sean, and, and we will set you up with a plan, or Randy, I guess, to, uh, to buy a home in the coming years. Rather than uh, rather than waiting, thinking that there's things in your way, knowledge is power, people. Yep, I have it tattooed on my arms. Smart. <clears throat> I my arm says another day in paradise. I think. <laughs> is it right next to the "Don't be skirt" <laughs> tattoo? No regrets. All right, for our investor clients listening, can you explain what bridge loan is? Yeah, we'll do it real quick. I uh, love bridge loans in this hot market. They are uh, extremely interesting. There's two pretty common ways of doing it. Uh, but the, you know, the idea of it is we need to pull the equity out of your current home to put down on your next home before selling. Uh, I don't think the central Oregon market, uh, the uh, market update here in a bit, it's not going to slow down anytime soon. Uh, so writing a contingent offer, an offer contingent on the sale of your home, mm, not really going to be a thing. <laughs> so bridge loans uh, are important and I think will stay important uh, as a homeowner who's trying to not sell, buy the next one, and then after they're in it, sell the old one. Gotcha. Um, one third of all home sales in 2020 were by millennials and two thirds of all first time home buyers in 2020 were millennials. How can you make their offer stand out to the competition or how can they make their offer stand out to the competition? Um, from our side, uh, you know, it's, it's making the financing personal, I think. Um, so I, I kind of 
from the from my side, we can call listing agents. Uh, we can explain to them how strong we are. Uh, we don't disclose any information that is private to you, but we can let them know you're a strong buyer. We've looked at everything. Really do anything we can to fluff uh, fluff our offer up and make us stand out from the crowd. Great. What are some of the biggest lending issues you run into with millennials and advice on things that they can avoid? Uh, this is a fun one. Uh, I'll, I'll do a kind of boring one and then a good one. The boring one is student loans. I mean, my generation came out with uh, massive student loan debt. Uh, a lot of people, I guess we could tie that back to the myths, don't buy a house because they have student loans or don't pick up the phone because they have student loans. But there are so many ways to work with student loan payments. Every loan product views them differently. Uh, do not let them stand in your way of at least getting pre-approved. Uh, you more millennials that buy homes do have student loans. Don't mm -hmm. wait to pay them all off to start playing the real estate game. So that's number one. Uh, and then number two, my more fun one that, that's come up a few times lately is cryptocurrency. Mm. Yeah, that's a, a big one. Someone says, well, I, I've got a huge down payment. That's so great. Show it to me. Well, it's in my coin purse. Ooh, <laughs> that's going to be tricky. That's like, uh, that's like your grandpa's uh, cash in a gun safe right. uh, in 2021. It is not an eligible source of funds. Um, an underwriter is not going to want to see you liquidate your, your cryptocurrency or Bitcoin uh, as a down payment fund. So uh, there are still ways to use those monies, but mm -hmm. you just got to chat with the lender sooner than later. Right. Gotcha. They like things to be trackable. Yeah. Yep. Asking with my skinny jeans and hair parted on the side, what is a word that rhymes with millennial? Hey, sorry. What's a word? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I did Google it, though, because I wanted to look at the full list. I'm a big golfer, for those that haven't figured that out yet. Um, in the spirit of Friday, April 9th, 2021, Masters Week. I will say perennial. Oh, mm. very well done. Welcome so, to the green grasses of Augusta National. Golf clap. And now putting on the 18th green for the green jacket, Sean Dunn. Let's turn back the clock to 2008. When the real estate market crashed, how does that affect you now in the choices you make and how you advise your clients to avoid the same mistakes as a generation before them. <clears throat> this is a, a good one and one that I think is uh, pertinent right now because uh, values are high. Uh, people are kind of recognizing that it feels maybe a little bit like then. Uh, folks, we are not even playing the same sport that we did in 2008. Um, and it's a little bit of it's becoming maybe a little bit of my pet peeve that um, the two are sort of getting tied together. Loans back then, uh, I could have got your one-month-old puppy alone in 2007. Uh, it is still very difficult. You have to jump through a lot of hoops relative to 2007 um, to get a loan. So uh, although home, home prices have come up and they're, and they're at all-time highs and things like that, uh, the people getting these loans can repay them. And they will be able to repay them. Uh, if they if home values slow down a little, they will just stay in their house. They can make those payments. I think people are relate who are relating it to then and they're waiting for some short sale boom and some crash and they're gonna buy it a low. Uh, I my opinion would unfortunately be that they will be waiting for a long time. Um, I think home prices are gonna stay relative. I think they're gonna trickle up. 
maybe slow down the competition a little, but uh, we're just not playing the same sport in the lending world that we were back then. And I think they are very different animals. Yeah, that kind of segues into my next question for you. Uh, any predictions on interest rates and local here to Central Oregon, Pacific Northwest, and national real estate market for this year and beyond? What are your predictions? <clears throat> rates, uh, I think most people would agree, rates are only going to go, they really only have up to go. Uh, not not drastically, but slowly. Uh, I think a trickle would be an appropriate word for interest rates. Uh, probably stay in the threes this year. Maybe we'll see some fours as the years come on. Uh, still historically wildly low, to be clear. Uh, and then, you know, I have the million dollar question, Central Oregon, Northwest values. I think in cities like Bend, uh, we've called them Zoom towns, which has been one of my favorite words as of late. So everyone's moving here because they can work on Zoom. Uh, my bold prediction, Sean Dunn's 2022 bold prediction. Oh boy. Uh, that's not going to last. I think that uh, the people that are working remote are going to be sick of working remote. They're going to miss their offices when all their employees are back in. They're going to miss walking on you know, 23rd to a Timbers game. They're going to move back to Portland, Seattle, San Francisco after a fun you know, one or two year adventure in Bend. Uh, and I think that'll slow down some of the, the cash buying, some of the uh, competitiveness. But I don't think values will go down. I just think you'll have two offers instead of 20. Yeah. Um, Sean, thank you so much for the Q&A. Um, what's a great way for our listeners to reach you? And are you taking on new clients? Certainly right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like any millennial, you can, I guess, drop me a DM on Insta or no, I'm just kidding. I mean, that does work. Uh, my NMLS number is 1254960. Uh, Director's Mortgage. Uh, my website's done right lending. Done last name, D-U-N-N, right like a right turn, lending.com. Thanks so much. And now it's time for the four-letter word. Today's four-letter word is bank. What is the difference between a mortgage bank and a bank bank? Sean, would you care to elaborate for us? Yeah, there. Uh, I kind of break it down into a few different categories. There's a mortgage bank. There's a Wells Fargo type bank, and a you know maybe a credit union. Uh, the banks are the the Wells Fargos, the the big you know names out there. Directors Mortgage is a mortgage bank, so we don't fiddle with checking accounts or things like that. We are hyper focused on mortgages. So all we do, we employ only people focused on mortgages. Um, it is our bread and butter, and that's what makes us stand out from you know, that the lending crowd gives us a little flexibility. Right. Let's, uh, let's play a little pro and con, uh, game here. So first we'll do, uh, the pros and cons of working with a bank. And next we'll do the pros and cons of working with a mortgage bank. Heather, would you care to read us some of the pros of working with a bank bank? I would love nothing more than to do so at this time, Randy. Bank bank. Makes my heart sing. All right. Pros, depending on your financial profile, may have lower interest rates. Notice may. May offer special rates or benefits to existing banking customers. May. May. The bank will most likely continue servicing your loan after closing. And may offer proprietary and niche specific loan programs. Joey, do you have, uh, do you have some cons for us? Yeah, stricter lending standards, for one. Two... Less variety of loan products, less mortgage lending expertise, more fees due to increased compliance requirements, and cross-selling of additional banking products, and... We'll put a checking and savings today, we'll give you a percentage point off your interest rate. That's exactly right. Longer closing times, boo. 
I, I feel like some of these cons that are on this list are a little subjective. So I, I just, I, I feel like, you know, if, if we're just playing fair here, because we're obviously we're, you know, I work for a mortgage bank, Sean works for the same mortgage bank at director's mortgage. And, you know, some of these things, the more fees due to increased compliance requirements, uh, that's, I think that's a little bit debatable. And uh, I, I will agree with the less mortgage lending expertise because they are in a bank and it, they're, their sole mission is to make the bank money, not necessarily focusing 100% on mortgages. So uh, switching over to a mortgage bank, Sean, tell us some of the pros and cons of working with a mortgage bank. Yeah, so at the uh, at a place like Directors Mortgage, a, a company focused on it, we uh, typically have more lending experience and training uh, because it is all we do. Uh, because it is all we do, we have a plethora of loan options. Uh, we we have to keep all of those on the table to stay competitive. You know, we like to think we give better strategic advice. That's definitely something I um, I sell to all my clients. Is I will advise you along the way, um, not just get you a house. Uh, we can be more willing to negotiate on terms. Uh, again, we want to win deals. This is how we feed our families. Um, so we want to close these loans with you. Uh, and then we are almost certainly faster. We have a streamlined process. Nothing gets in the way. Um, and we just, you know, generally speaking, we have less clients we work with. If, if I'm closing 10 loans in a month, my good buddy at the credit union might be trying to close 80. Um, and so it's just a, that's a clog. That's a lot of loans to try to get through a similar employee situation. So, right. So really more service focus oriented. Yeah. Right. Right. And what are a couple of the cons that you can think of working with a mortgage bank? Yeah, we tend to be on the go a little more. We're at events, you know, we're working from home. We have a little more flexibility in that sense. We're not tied to a desk from eight to five. Uh, I think that's a pro, but I guess you could see that in both ways. Right. It's absolutely a pro because you're meeting the clients where they're at. Right. Yeah. Very willing to coffee shop it up and things like that. I mean, brewery in my situation. Uh, And then, uh, you know, this is a funny one too. Our loans will almost certainly transfer to a servicer. It's really not a big deal anymore. It used to be. I understand that some people in 2005 have a bad taste in their mouth. Right. Loans back then would transfer three, four times a year, and you could never keep track of who you were paying. At Director's Mortgage, I've never had a loan transfer twice. They transfer once, you sit with a servicer, you set up auto pay, and, I didn't and, forget it. And really, your loan terms don't change, right? They stay the same. Yep. It's just where you send your payment and who's holding the note. Yeah. And then w- one last piece on this that I thought was... Uh, good to go over is, um, you know, one of my closest lending partners is a really good friend of mine that works at the credit union. Uh, we regularly pass business back and forth that we think the other person can do better. Um, so he is a bit more restricted when it comes to manufactured homes, for example, and we have a lot lenient, uh, a lot more lenient guidelines. So he sends me a lot of transactions every now and then he can offer a real sweetheart deal on an investment property. Um, if they're throwing a special at it or something, and if it's the right thing for the client, we'll, we'll send people back and forth. So uh, I think a good lender at any of these institutions is going to surround themselves with other lenders that do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you let your clients know that most likely their loan will be sold? Almost always. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Uh, again, my clientele, it, they're all auto pay people. So they're going to, you know, I'm going to walk them through it at director's mortgage. We get a notification when it does sell. Cause you also get a ton of junk mail. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you know, Hey, keep an eye out for mail from Penny Mac. That's who you're going to be paying. Let me know if you have any questions when your loan closes, I don't go away. Uh, so continue to use me as a resource and we'll make sure you get all set up. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. Can I Venmo my earnest money? This is a good one. Uh, no. Although 
it really comes down to the title and escrow company. So I actually just saw a service for the very first time uh, from a title and escrow company that was allowing you, like we all deposit checks mobily on our cell phones. Uh, you could write your earnest money check at home, log into their app, take a picture of it, and then that deposited earnest money, which I hadn't seen before, but I thought was very clever. You know, I, clever. In the past, I had seen you know agents or clients running down to escrow to get it in by five to the right. receptionist or right. wiring money takes time. But um, yeah, they just accepted like you deposit it to your bank, which I thought was cool. So it really comes down to the title and escrow. And I think that will get more innovative. Mm-hmm. That has been the four letter word. Bank. And now with this week's Central Oregon real estate market update, the absurdly talented Mrs. Heather Lowry. Oh my God, you love me. You really, really love me. Anyway, I have a quick question for you, Mr. Randy Vance. Yes, Mrs. Heather Lowry. When is a good time to buy? Right now. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with you. You are correct, sir. We have observed an inventory shift from an over 100% absorption rate to a slight surplus. This has been predictable, you know, over the past years, but COVID was the one anomaly that could have potentially affected this. Last week, we had an inventory stabilizing with 186 homes for sale in all of Deschutes County. This is up over last month. This means that the buyer that once threw their hands up in the air getting outbid on the home that they love can now revisit the home search. It is not just the Gen X and the boomer groups that are purchasing now, so never fear, millennials. Based on the newly released reports from the National Association of Realtors, you are most the most educated generation thus far. I know, hold your applause there. That's pretty amazing. But that also explains the student loans. So you're not afraid to ask for assistance because you're smart, right? So reach out to your lender to ask those questions. Don't assume that you can't afford a loan or home. Don't be afraid of receiving home down payment money for your, from your loved ones. So that's also an important piece that some people forget about. Another question, Randy. Yeah. How much can be given from a family member. So a gift, a gift for like the down payment for the purchase of a new home? Yep. I think we should ask the expert in the studio, Sean. I'm deflecting to you. What do you think? Get it, Sean. This is one of I for those of you that are still listening from the beginning who hadn't turned away in the first five minutes, uh, necessity being the mother of all invention, uh, this is where this comes up more than anything. I cannot tell you the amount of clients I've had that say, oh, I, you know, we get them all pre-approved, debt to income looks good, credit looks good. Okay, I just got to save up for my down payment. Then a week later they call, hey, so my grandma's totally going to give us a down payment. Oh, all you had to do was ask, it turns out. Or, you know, be excited because you had all the other pieces of the puzzle ready to go. And then aunt comes out of the woodwork, boom, there's your down payment. I see it happen all the time. I know that's not true for every family out there, but for many of them, the only thing stopping you is asking. Uh, and especially once you've gotten all your other ducks in a row, family members much more, you know, you've, you've put in the work, they see you're serious and they're ready to help you. So the limit is limitless in the mortgage industry. So if they want to give you 3% or 50%, we don't mind. Uh, it depends on how nice your grandma is, but we're all for it. Uh, and then, you know, I always put my asterisks up here. You have to talk to your CPA, have your grandma talk to her CPA, listen to last week's uh, podcast for a referral. But there is a common misconception around gift tax. Uh, that can always change 
taxes always change. Presidents change them. Uh, when you the the common theme is that ten thousand dollar number. Well, I can only give you ten because then I have to pay taxes. Eh, typically not true. Asterisk. Talk to your CPA. But the ten thousand dollar limit, as it stands currently, is the limit when you have to file a gift tax return. So you have to file. You have to tell the government, yeah, I gave my kid twenty thousand. But you don't pay taxes when you file a gift tax return. That is just filing it because the gift tax is a lifetime achievement. So you only pay taxes on gift tax after you've gifted in your lifetime X amount. And that number is in the millions. It is in the millions. There's two commas in that number. Yeah. So if your grandma gives you 50 grand, she does have to file a gift tax return that says she gave you 40 more than the 10. But if that's all she gifts in her life, she's never going to pay a penny of taxes on it. Gotcha. Asterisk, talk to your CPA. Gotcha. It is just a return to track it over the lifetime of your gifting. Excellent. That's phenomenal news for my kids. Great news. I'm learning so much today. This is great. I am too. I thought I, I too was a believer in the 10K tax number. Yep. It's not, you don't pay taxes on the pennies over that. You just file a gift tax return for lifetime tracking purposes. Myth dispelled. Busted. All right. One more question to you, fine sir. That would be either Randy, Joey, or you, our fine guest. On the other side of the spectrum, is it a good time to sell in Central Oregon? I think so. As long as you've got somewhere to go, I think it's a great time to sell. Joey, what do you think? I don't think there's ever been a better time to sell than now. Yeah, honestly. I think, two, you know, I, I've, I just saw this one. Two millennials both owned a home. Townhouses are going to buy a house and, and sell two townhouses. Great time to, to mm -hmm. list those rather than maybe keep them as a rental. Right. Yeah. You're correct, gents. You are correct. While Central Oregon has seen some pricing corrections, we are still experiencing some price increases. Areas that have lower inventory are still finding prices increasing, while the areas with more inventory find prices leveling out. This is great news for people contemplating whether to put their home on the market. Sell, sell, sell. With more inventory sell. coming out on the market, it is a safer place to sell your home and find a new one. People have a fear of being homeless. Shocker. Um, most of my clients have yet to refinance and are finding that selling their home can be a wonderful option. Sellers can now capture a premium for both in equity and rate. With your West Coast Mortgage News, I'm Randy Vance. Rates, rates, rates. What's your rate? The average rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage is at 3.32% as we record the show today, down from 3.42 last week. 15-year rates also back down to 2.79 from 2.85 last week. And the 30-year jumbo remains unchanged with an average rate of 3.33%. It is important to note that the 52-week high for a 30-year fixed rate conventional mortgage is 3.45%. So we're pretty close to that 52-week high. And the low is uh, 2.75%. Still very, very good, historically speaking. A couple of bullet points to end the show with. Speaking of rates, the Fed has decided this week to leave the Fed funds rate unchanged and says, let's ride the wave. I, too like to live on the edge. In the Pacific Northwest, sales are up 16%. 
year over year, and inventory is down 56% year over year, uh, Pacific Northwest being Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Northern California. That's where those stats come, uh, coming from calculatedriskblog.com. The St. No West Coast thing, according to Redfin nationwide, nearly 61% of home offers written by Redfin agents uh, faced bidding wars 10 straight months, which more than half of all offers written by Redfin agents nationwide have faced competition. More than a third of all homes are also selling above list price. That's your West Coast Mortgage News. Errors from our last show. Randy said non-disclosure when he really meant full disclosure. Also by Randy, the break-even math for 3K in cost for $25 a month savings is not a six or seven year break-even. It's more like 10. And just to be clear on APR, the annual percentage rate, APR, is the cost you pay each year to borrow money, including fees, expressed as percentage, not a rate. Since all lenders must provide the APR, you can use the APR to compare auto loans. Just make sure that you are comparing APRs to APRs and not to the interest rate. Well done. Boots and pants. Thank you so much to Sean Dunn with Directors Mortgage and to all of our listeners. Uh, questions or comments about the show, be sure to email us at info at moneyminded.us. This has been fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me. Millennials in the Marketplace. Sean, I mean, Lance was a great guest last week. If you guys haven't listened to that podcast, go back and check out Nerd Day with a CPA. Uh, but Millennials in the Marketplace, I think this one's a keeper. I think people can learn a lot about it. Um, you know, I'm a Gen Xer in 1979, so there's a lot of stuff in here I didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Sean. Thanks for introducing yeah. me to my first podcast, by the way. Some murder show, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good weekend, folks. 